Hey, it's Chris here. I've got a quick question for you. What are you doing November 9 through to the 11th this year, 2019? If you're available, I want you to consider coming to our annual conference, which takes place in London, England, every single November. It's called the Youpreneur Summit, and it is the UK's number one online entrepreneurship conference. But don't let the fact that we're using the word UK in there spoil it for you. In fact, actually, we've now had people from over 40 countries around the world attend the event since we started it in 2017. This year, you're going to get the opportunity to learn from people like Todd Herman. Hal Elrod, JJ Virgin, Sue B. Zimmerman, Phil Jones, and a host of other incredible entrepreneurs and extremely successful business owners. And we would love for you to be able to come and spend some time with us, learn lots, mastermind plenty, network like your life depended on it, and go away from the event ready to take on the world more than ever before. The first two years sold out months before the conference even took place, and we doubt that 2019 is going to be any different. So head over to youpanasummit.com right now to secure your ticket. That's youpreneursummit.com. I'll see you in London. This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello there and welcome to episode number 338 of Youpreneur FM. I'm your host, Chris Ducker, as always, and you, my friend, are in the right spot if you are a personal brand entrepreneur, such as a coach, author, speaker, consultant, content creator, anyone really building a business based around their personality and their expertise. Yes, this is your weekly dose of personal branding business brilliance. There's a lot of bees in there, wasn't there? Today, I'm sitting down with my good friend, Phil Jones, who is also going to be keynoting the Youpreneur Summit, which is our annual conference, which takes place in London every single November. If you've not got your ticket yet and you are considering coming, please do hop over to youpreneursummit.com and go ahead and grab one because as of today, we're around 83% sold out. Yes, I'm counting every single percent. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our acceleration training library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums. And you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com today for more info. So on to my conversation with Phil. Like I said, he will be gracing the Youpreneur Summit stage in November at the Queen Elizabeth Centre in London for our annual conference. Cannot wait 
for that, by the way. Tickets have been flying off the shelves in a very steady manner, and we're very, very excited to be holding the event for a third year running, which is going to be fantastic. Um, however, today, Phil joins us to talk all about really knowing exactly what to say in any given situation, ultimately, with a real slant, however, on sales. You know, this is one thing that I see so many entrepreneurs still struggling with is selling their stuff, right? Their products, their services, their experiences, whatever it is, it's within their own Youpreneur ecosystem to their customers. The big issue is they still fear rejection. They still get stuck in their ways when it comes to not going after the sale. And here's the thing, if you don't ask for the sale, it'll very rarely come your way. The good news is, however, that you don't have to directly ask for it. And a lot of the time, if you do all the hard work up to the point of getting to a, a closing scenario as a salesperson or as just an entrepreneur, then the close itself will likely happen all by itself. Phil is an expert when it comes to this and just tiny little tweaks and changes in the way that you say certain things can lead to massive, massive differences when it comes to your sales projections and uh, numbers in general. So go ahead, enjoy the conversation with Phil. It's a goodie. Phil, welcome to the show. My pleasure to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Man, you don't have to thank me. I've been so, so, so excited to have you on the show to talk about everything and anything to do with you and your ethos and what you're all about. But more importantly, this is like uh, this is a sneak peek for you guys tuning in because Phil is going to be keynoting the Youpreneur Summit this November in London. Uh, if you haven't already got your ticket, you want to see him live, I'm going to preface this entire conversation with the fact that you will want to see this man live. <laughs> YouPreneurSummit.com. Go grab your ticket right now. But Phil, uh, before we get into any of the content here and sharing all these great tips and strategies and whatnot, I should say a massive congratulations. You've just become the father of two twin lovely little girls. I have. It's super exciting. So I've got two more mouths to feed and a bigger business to build as a result. There you go. <laughs> it's amazing how much we think alike. The first thing I said when Urs said to me, actually, the first thing I said when Urs told me she was pregnant with Cassandra was, oh, good Lord, it still works. Yep. And, then, <laughs> and then it very quickly went to, oh, God, so so much to you know retiring at the age of fifty. I've got to keep working now, but I'm actually quite looking forward. It, it gives me I don't know about you, but it gives me the um, the, the 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 kind of the internal force, right, to like keep pushing and keep chasing things down. How do you feel? I mean, on a very serious note, how 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 have the emotions been going over the last you know week or so since uh, your lovely wife decided to give birth to these gorgeous little girls? Well, you got all the all the normal human emotions of like, oh my goodness, we did that. You've got all the potential fear challenges that an entrepreneur has of, of the trade-off between time away and, and providing for. Yeah. And you've got the, um, oh, just wow. Like, wow. Like this, this is like, you become reborn a little as a result of the new life yeah. coming into your life. And, and, and I'm super excited really. And I, you know, I want to carve a journey for them that's different to the one that I had. And then you start thinking about things from a completely different perspective, which is fun too, is that, you start thinking about the world you want to create and what you want to teach people towards because the people that you've just brought into the world are going to need to live in it. So there's a, a million thoughts that I haven't fully processed yet myself, but 
we'll get there. I definitely need to work, need to work a little harder now. And um, I was I was ramping into at the ripe old age of thirty seven, being pretty much in the position that I could retire. And I'm now looking at it and going, okay. I've got, um, I, guess, I guess I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> potential two U.S. college educations to fund. I've had to move to a house that was twice the size of the one I was living in previously. And, and, and I was chatting to one of my speaker buddies about this, though, that we do live in a blessed world that if I want a pay rise, I know how to do it and I can turn it on Instagram yes. talk to anybody other than myself. So, okay, let's talk about that a little bit because I like that. Um, like you say, you're talking with a fellow speaker. Um, I also speak quite a bit, nowhere near as much as you do. It really is your number one thing. Uh, and we've also got a lot of mutual friends, obviously, where it is their number one thing. What, what I love about those words right there, I know exactly what I need to do if I need to make more money. And I'm assuming very heavily that's you getting on more stages and working with more high paying, you know, consulting clients yeah. and things like that. How, how does that, I mean, it feels good, right? To get that. It, it does feel good. Sometimes I go back to it. You know, I, I started in this expert based business back in 2007, 2008 and was mm -hmm. kind of using principles of it, even from my earlier career. Um, naivety is a gift that sometimes I wish I could have back, you, you know, in the early days where you didn't know what you're doing and you didn't know what it took that you could sometimes run on blind optimism and, and it would get you through a lot. Right. So knowing exactly what to do is both a blessing and a curse because you look at it and go, oh, damn, the work I need to do before the work is actually fairly significant. Right. And yes, I, you know, I do want more higher pay, fee paying things, but I also know sometimes the route towards getting those is doing dozens of the things that I don't want to do. And I can't just have the cream on the top of the cake. Um, so, how do I feel on that? I feel empowered. I feel in control. I feel ready to go out and make a difference, but, but knowledge doesn't always lead to power. Sometimes knowledge can lead to you making the decision to not do it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. You're absolutely right. And I think let's talk about that very quickly because there's a couple of things that I really wanted to zoom in on here on this conversation. The first one was my, you know, kind of, I guess my, 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 mantra of charging what you're worth and i can't wait to hear your take on that um but but also the other thing is you know a lot of the people inside of the youpreneur community can't even say my own brand name there you go welcome to the world of chris ducker today everybody um, <laughs> a, a lot of, a, a lot of people with inside of our community and when i say inside i don't necessarily mean inside our paying academy slash community but i mean our ecosystem as a whole. And that includes obviously the listeners of this podcast and anyone that visits our websites and things like that. I know that a lot of people that come across us and, and, and engage with us and consume our content, a lot of the time, they're a little scared to get out into the world, their ideas, their courses, their mastermind groups, their live events, and all the other things that we teach them to do as part of the Youpreneur ecosystem to build and market and monetize their businesses around themselves, right? So what's Phil's take on that? Where, where are we going wrong here when we're stuttering and, and mumbling over getting these things out into the world that we've worked so bloody hard to create in the first place? Well, there's a lot around this, and, and much of my work touches this whole point. The first quick thought is that if you're not convinced, you cannot convince. So if you do not believe with absolute certainty the sum of money you're asking somebody to pay for the thing is worth it and some, don't expect somebody else to be able to. Mm. So quite often, the work you need to do before you get into talking about your prices is to be able to understand the true value that it brings towards other people. 
So it's not get paid what you're worth. It's understand what you're worth before you can ask for that money. Let me explain this real simple. Is is First, I'll give you a story from when I was a kid. So I had my first business when I was 14 years of age. What I don't tell many people about was what happened to me when I was 13. When I was 13, I wanted to buy a new pair of trainers. I have to keep calling them sneakers over here in the US, which still never feels right. <laughs> Um, and they were a stack of money. And I did the thing that any kid would do is I asked dad for the money. And, um, dad gave me the short answer of no. And I asked for the money again. Um, and he said, I'll tell you what, you can come to work for me. Mm -hmm. What I needed is I needed to get 40 pounds for these trainers. And I kept saying to my dad, how much will you pay me for the day's work? Now my dad is a self-employed building contractor and I had to go and, um, get up early and go clear a ton of stuff that he'd pulled off a roof that was in the backyard that needed to go into a skip. And the trouble was, is the size of the pile was bigger than the hole in the skip. So dad said, he'll pay me 20 pounds if I fill the skip, which I probably did. I said, well, now what do I do? He said, I'll get you another skip. I said, so if I fill it again, do I get another 20 pounds? He said, sure. <laughs> so I did exactly that, filled it. And now there's more time left in the day. My dad's up on the roof doing clever stuff and I'm wondering what to do, what to do, what to do. So I knocked on the door of the homeowner and I asked a simple question of, is there anything else I can do while I'm here? I got a couple of hours of spare time. He gave me some jobs to do down in his basement, some tidying up, some moving some rubbish around, etc. And I did a ton of work for him for a couple of hours. End of the day, I got an envelope that was given to me. The envelope was given to me by the homeowner and in it was 45 pounds. I thought, touch, I've been given a pay rise. Right. Traveling home in the van with my dad, my dad gave me the 40 pounds he'd promised me too. Now, the interesting lesson that I got from that tiny little story was at 13 years of age, I realized that you didn't get paid by the hour. You get paid by the value that you bring to the hour. Mm, mm. That same thing is true where we are today. Now, I charge what many would deem to be an exorbitant amount of money to stand on a stage for 45 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes and deliver a keynote presentation to a point that I still sometimes have to do the sale on myself before I can let that number come out of my mouth. So here is a questioning technique that I now use with clients ahead of time. They show some interest in me speaking at their event. The first thing I do is I say, what is it about me and my work that makes you think that I might be a good fit for your event? So they then wax lyrical at me about all the things that make me brilliant, which means that they sell me as opposed to me needing to sell me. My yes. confidence in turn grows. Right. What I'll then do is I say, well, what is your experience of working with a paid professional speaker? They then now give me an understanding of how experienced they are as a buyer of my kind of service. Some say I've never bought before. Some say last year that we booked Bill Clinton. Like it changes my perception of how of I'm now going to do this. Right, time. right. And you then, in in return, can obviously start crafting your pitch a little bit better, right? And I don't even need to craft a pitch. I just let them walk themselves into it. So the next set of questions I ask is, I say, so how many people you have in the audience? And they tell me. I say, now answer me this, on a typical day or a typical week, how much are they losing in missed sales opportunities? Is it $1,000 a week? Is it $10,000 a week? $20,000 a week? What is it? They say, well, maybe all of our people are probably leaving maybe $10,000 a week on the table. I say, well, how many people do you have in that position? I said, we've got like 600. I say, how long have you had that going on for? Is this a new thing or is this something that's run for a while? They say, well, for the last five years I've been here. So I said, for five years, you've had 600 people losing you $10,000 a week. How much longer do you want that to run for? See, now what I've done is I've created a problem big enough to present my price against. 
That's what everybody needs to do with their course, with their coaching programs, with any of the advice they're giving is to understand the size of the problem that you're looking to fix. And if the problem you're looking to fix is 10 times bigger than the sum of money you're asking for as a minimum, you can present your price with ease. See, what I love about this so much here is that as I listen to you as a person that's been in the sales business since I was 17 myself, I still get reminded of the fundamentals of what I was taught by my mentors in those early years uh, when I still had hair, Phil. Hair like yours, actually. <laughs> like, uh, we're talking like a full head of hair here, right? I don't believe you. You're making that up. <laughs> I've got photographic proof, mate. Um, <laughs> but... but but what I love about that is that yes, I can get I can get kind of reintroduced to those fundamentals. But what I will say is that the way you say it comes across in such a simplistic, magical way that pretty much everyone can probably and should be sitting there in awe of what you say. And this is the reason why, and by the way, you guys tuning in, this is not going to turn into a sales pitch for the Youpreneur Summit. Whether you come or not, it's <laughs> down to you. Clearly you should be there. That's a given. It's our event. We want as many people there as possible from our community. But what I will say is that this is the reason, this is the exact type of thing that I look for when I'm picking speakers to be on that stage who I'm going to introduce. Like I'm physically up there endorsing them myself. And this is what you are known for. This is what you are booked for, right? Is to teach people how to say things exactly in the right way to be able to produce more impact in their sales particularly, but also just in their genuine kind of influence and everything else that they have, you know, they have going on. I mean, has the ability to be able to say things in the right way with the right words come naturally to you or have you had to work on it? Um, I don't think anything comes natural to anybody other than the tenacity to want to be able to improve or that better is something that all of us would like to think, think is in our future. One of the things that, that I was experienced with from an early age is, is I was a senior sales manager in one of the largest department store groups within the UK at the age of 18. I was then running a sales team for the largest furniture retail business in the UK at the age of 21. And the thing when you are running big sales teams is you're dealing with a lot of egos. And when you're dealing with those yes, egos <laughs> and you are 19, 20, 21 years of age, you get faced a lot of disrespect from the get-go. People think, who's this jumped up little whatever yes. and what is he going to tell me? So I learned the real importance of, of earning respect. So I studied what worked. I also made myself an excellent practitioner of what worked. And the biggest thing that I learned that was the difference between not those that were awful and those that were great, but those that were good and those that were crushing it, is the ones that were crushing it, they knew exactly what to say, when to say, and how to make it count. They built efficiencies in their word choices that allowed conversations with other people to flow more freely, to get to a point of decision where everybody won in a more natural sense of time. What I've then learned since training over 2 million sales professionals is that there is repetition through those patterns, regardless of industry or profession, where the same words appear to have the same impact at the same time, because the commonality of all of our businesses is that we're in the people business. When the business of influencing change through other people's minds. Yes. And the biggest barrier to every one of the listeners' business growth right now isn't all the people that are saying no. It's all the people that are stuck in maybe. Maybe is the destruction to the potential growth within your business. And so many people do a really good job of creating an opportunity of getting somebody to the point of saying, hey, I'm kind of interested in this thing. 
But getting them over the fence to be able to make their mind up and commit is where too many people make the diff- the, diff- uh, the, uh, the challenge. And I don't mind if maybes become no's. I just mind when maybes say maybe. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, let, okay, let's, let's flip to the other side of this coin then. Let's say you are a youpreneur, uh, a personal brand business owner, and you have created, say, for example, an online program that you've worked two or three months putting together on a particular subject that you know you've already validated, Phil. You've validated yep. the idea. You know it's what people want from you. They've been waiting for it. They're talking about it. They're asking you when it's going to come out. Yet you other maybe person, right? I mean, you've actually got a phrase for this that's even better than the maybe person. What is it? I call them experts in getting ready. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Why this know. tickles me so much, I don't know, but it just does. Experts in getting ready. Okay, so how do we overcome this? There's a few things you can do. So I'm a product of um, some quite extensive training with the Dale Carnegie Institute. And there's a leadership principle within Dale Carnegie's work that is to give other people a fine reputation to live up to. And that is a principle that you can use to be able to get other people to outperform. But you can also flip the principle and use it on yourself, which is to give yourself a fine reputation to live up to. Almost every product or program that I've launched, and bear in mind I've launched over 2,500 new products in the information product space, um, I've had to sell it first before I've even finished the thing. I've had to create the accountability of the fact that I'm doing this thing and I have to have a promise that I'm going to deliver it to at least one person that's paid me money. Yes. That drives me over the finishing line. And I remember my first book, Toolbox, like I had 217 pre-orders for the book. I had a front cover. That's all I had. And 217 pre-orders and a delivery date. I don't At that point, that I, you, you got to write the book. I've got to write the freaking book. Yeah. I've got to write the book. Not only that, though, is like my first step into this space is I, I built a sales training program. And I built the sales training program, my one-day program that has now gone on to become my Audible original back um, 11 years ago. And I was entering into this business saying that I could offer sales training. And when I was having conversations with people, my conversation would go like this. It would be like, how's business? They'd say, well, you know, it's, you know, it's good. I'd say, what, Really? And they'd say, well, well, you know, we could always do better. I'd say, well, what things are you doing right now in order to be able to, um, to grow your business? And most people would say, not a lot. Or they'd say, I'm doing this. I'd say, how well is that working for you? They'd say, not so good. I'd say, well, how open-minded would you be to learning some other ideas to be able to grow your business? They'd say, sure. I'd say, well, what are you doing on the 13th of May? They'd say, why, what is it? I'd say, are you free or not? They'd say, yeah, yeah I can be free. I'd say, well, I'm running a one-day program. they say, will it cover this? I'd say, sure. Now, I'd do that with 15 people that all said yes to the course. I've now got the brief to be able to deliver the course before I deliver the course because I've got 15 paying customers. Could you do the exact same thing online? Of course you could. Of course you can. And I mean, and, and I, I talk about it in Rise of the Youpreneur. I talk about the importance of pre-selling your next course or, your, or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. And the, yeah. other, the, the other lens on this, Chris, is, is, is here's the other thing. Launch the thing, and if nobody buys it, you learn real quick that there's no place for this in the market. But the thing is, because nobody bought it, it didn't matter. Yes. There's nobody to laugh at you because nobody bought it. It just didn't happen. Right. And you haven't spent three months of your life or whatever wasting time putting it together because you get that time back, you're not can, buying it anyway. You can tweak it. You can change the price. You can repurpose it. You can rehash it. You can do all sorts of different things with it onwards from there. And you'll know about like this in, in industry more than any 
is the ability to repurpose after you've shot and miss is often where the value is. Like you might have a great idea and a great course that currently is positioned as 23 modules or 1997 and you shoot and you miss. And then what you do is you take the first three and you repackage them as a 297 get starter piece. And, and now all of a sudden you get traction and people are saying, what's next? So you introduce the next step as a second sale. But you have to be prepared to get your feet wet. There is no perfect science in this business. You have to try and test and measure. Now, I ask audiences full of people that if you could be good at something, do better at something, or do your best at something, what do you think everybody in the audience picks? They pick they want to do their best, which is a stupid thought process. (laughs) How many times as a kid did you find yourself not able to be able to do your tire shoelaces and you'd make the excuse to your mom that you're trying your best, knowing that it was a complete pack of nonsense. You weren't trying your best. You just wanted somebody else to do it for you. Same would say as we even say the words to other people, don't worry, you tried your best. And we know that was nonsense too. It's only once you take the belief system in your own mind that you're going to work on getting better, do you start to be able to outperform a previous expectation of yourself. The focus should be better. And with every single person, launch the thing and see what you learn. Launch the thing, see what you learn. Tweak, adjust. What do you need to do differently next time? What many people don't know about my book, Exactly What to Say, is Exactly What to Say is a rewrite of a book I created long ago that was never should have been a book, that was a pamphlet that I produced as a dare following a mastermind group that somebody said that you couldn't turn a book around quickly. I proved them wrong and had it published within three days. That's what Magic Words was. Exactly What to Say is the rewrite of Magic Words that was produced in 2012. So let's, okay, let's bring some numbers in here. There's some context here. So Magic Words, how many copies did you sell? I don't know. Sold maybe 6,500 copies, had 120,000 downloads when I ran some free promotions on it, and used it as a lead capture generation tool through my website, gave it away for free like it was confetti, um, and also customized it as versions, as giveaways from trainings. I repurposed and re-sliced and diced that content God knows how many times. I love it. Okay, good, good, good. That's smart. I like it. Now, exactly what to say, what are those numbers? Uh, just, just broke 325,000 copies. <laughs> so clearly the re- the repurposed version of the initial one has done a lot, lot better. Well, I took what worked and I made it better. Yeah. Like, like which is, if you think about it, I, I take so many clues in this expert business space from, from, the, from the world of music. Like most musicians best debut album is not their debut album. There were seven albums before that that nobody knew anything about. Right. Indeed. No, you're 100% right, because that's where we get all out of nowhere when they're big and famous and everything. You hit the early recordings or right. the hidden Take, lost so, recordings or whatever, right? So, so my idol in the world of personal brand marketing is Ed Sheeran. I've been following his work for a decade. I think he's a rock star, like in every sense of the word. Um, but people think his launch product was the A-Team. There was albums and albums and albums and EPs prior to that. And, and what he did for data collection in his early days, he didn't just busk. He busked and collected email addresses as opposed to pounds. Right. And social media follows before those were a thing. Mm. Um, and, and is now one of the highest grossest mu- music artists with the biggest personal brand within that space that the you know, that owns all of his IP pretty much throughout. Like there's a giant, giant lesson in all of that. 
Massive. Um, I mean, very, very big lesson and a super smart dude from a business perspective as well as just a musical perspective. Right. And this is what we have to get smart as as we build our personal brand businesses is, is to understand that sometimes what you need to launch next isn't a revolutionary new idea. It might have been something you tried to launch once before, but do it better. Hmm. So, okay, this is so good. I'm, I mean, I could, we, could, we could go so much deeper on this, although time is not on our side. But let me, let me follow up with, with this then. Um, in regards to, I mean, you've probably heard me say it. Everybody listening to this show definitely heard me say it. Charge what you're worth and don't apologize. I say it all the time. People struggle with this, so Phil. I'm sure you probably come across this as well with the people and the organizations that you work with where they know they're worth more than what they're charging, but for one reason or another, they're fearful of either rejection or, you know, objections in the sales process and that sort of thing. Like, how, how do we potentially get over not charging what we're worth, even though we know we're undercutting ourselves? I'm trying to think of a short answer to this question. <laughs> Maybe there isn't one. <laughs> how do you get over it, right? You have to build confidence in being able to ask the money that you're worth. And I think the work that you do in the background to understand about the impact you have on other people's lives is remarkably important. But here is, a, is, is something that was a harsh lesson for me. I'm a really kind and giving guy. And the result of which is when people reach out to me and say, hey, Phil, can I borrow your ear for a second? Can I, you know, can I pick your brain? Those kind of things. I often make time for people. And I give them some of my best advice and people do nothing with it. Hmm. What then happens is I take that exact same piece of advice and I put it in a book and nobody reads it and nobody does anything with it. I then take that same piece of advice and charge somebody $20,000 for it. They put it into practice. They get some returns on it. And now all of a sudden the advice was worth it. So when the same piece of advice was free, it delivered zero value. When the same piece of advice was cheap, it delivered zero value. When the same piece of advice was priced at a premium, it delivered premium value. Mm. So th there is a thought. I'll add a, a Phil Jones quote to yours, which is you will not get paid more money than you ask for. Very true. So sometimes you have to be brave enough to be able to ask for more. Many people in the speaking business um, look to be able to rise their fee up over a period of time. And they say, you know, I'll be a, a you know, a $1,500 speaker and then a $2,500 speaker and then a $5,000 speaker and then a $10,000 speaker. And I'll be like, ah, ah, ah. Pick the price that you want to charge in two years from now. Be a $10,000 speaker. Get used to saying you're a $10,000 speaker, but for you, based on the fact that what you're going to do is give me access to your audience or based on the fact that you're going to record the show or based on the fact that what I can do is get my book in front of more people or based on the fact that this, then I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll make a $5,000 contribution towards it, meaning you only have to pay $5,000 out of pocket. Mm. That's how you grow over a period of time to get to be a $10,000 speaker is by confidently letting those words leave your mouth. And it's hard because many of us, you know, we've done the journey, right? We've done the 10 pounds an hour, 15 pounds an hour. We've done the $25,000 a year, £1,000 a year salary. We've done the £50,000 a year. And we're now asking for sums of money that we might not have paid for ourselves, so that's where part of the problem hits, is if you wouldn't pay £2,000 or $2,000 for a course that would help you fix a, fix a huge problem, mm. don't expect somebody else to. Right. And that was a tipping point for me, is 
you know, I started to pay premium prices for the mentors that I needed for, for yes. my world. I started to, you know, to, to, to pay for the seminars that I wanted to be able to go to. I, I started to pay for the windows of time that I needed with experts and, and very quickly realized that that's where my confidence would grow in, in being able to ask for those sums of money too. Um, and the right price to the wrong person will never deliver you your value. You know, it's interesting. It, you know, the more and more people that I work with, um, the more and more opportunity I see for them. But like you said a little while ago, you know, you can give them, you can lead a horse, right? To use a popular analogy, you lead a horse to water. It doesn't mean he's necessarily going to bend down and take a sip, right? But the one thing that drives me nuts is when I give out advice and then people don't do anything about it and they don't follow that advice, that drives me crazy. Should it be driving me as crazy as it does? Um. Not if you took the time to pick your people in the first place. Like procrastination isn't just like a thing with okay, a but, but like you, yeah, but here's the thing. But like you, I'm a giving person too. So I don't necessarily pick people. If somebody asks me for advice, I'll, I'll nine times out of ten, I'll freely give it to them. You know, if it's a tweet or, you know, maybe... You'd Jim, be- Jim, Jim Rowan talks about this, right? And, and about planting seeds, right? You don't expect every one of them to grow, but you still water them all. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And I'm just going to give you another thing on the leader horse to water thing is, is I studied some of Peter Thompson's work. Peter Thompson was a, was a guy that taught me a lot in my early days in the UK. And Peter Thompson says that you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make it drink unless you put enough salt in the oats. Right. And I think that's where some of your skill comes in. Some of the other experts that are masterful at writing copy, masterful about building the value ahead of time, masterful about putting the, 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 the tests and measures in place that create the accountability. I've learned that people do two things in life. They do what they enjoy doing and what they get checked on. They're the only two things that anybody ever does. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you want people to take action on stuff. It isn't just a good idea. It's the accountability. It's the scarcity. It's the, it's the trigger that says the why now it's, it's behind this. And I think the fun about this business is it's never done. You've never mastered it and you never know how it works. We're just absolutely working on better. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. It's never done. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing what I do every day Likewise. with community because you just never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to walk through the door, who's going to drop you an email or send you a message or whatever. If for me, this is the reason why I get up every morning. I absolutely love going to work every day. And nothing changes, but everything's changing, right? It's, it's, it's always moving targets. And I... Yeah. People enter this space because they think that sometimes you can make a, a quick living. But I think if you if you repivot your thought process and say, I'm going to build a career out of this, this personal brand business, the journey can make it the most rewarding thing in the world because you have all of the tests and the twists and the growth and the, you know, the opportunity to promote yourself a thousand times over a decade. It, it's a gift of a career if you take a long-term view, but you've got to earn the stripes. You've got to collect the, the, the scars as you go. And, and, and this is why I love things like your community is you get to share with like-minded me people that the, the downside of any, any youpreneur type business is it's lonely, crazy, crazy lonely. And sometimes you're finding yourself having really awkward conversations with yourself, trying to come to an answer that you can't get without the sounding board of somebody else who's been in your shoes. Couldn't agree more, 100%. All right, final question. I'm curious to know this on, on myself. I think I know the answer, 
but I like to almost think that a lot of the time I'm going to be wrong so I can learn something. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I know the answer to this. Out of all of the things that you've done to build your own personal brand and obviously thus a business based around it as a direct result, what's been the one activity, the one thing, Phil, that you've done that you feel personally has contributed more towards your wealth as a personal brand entrepreneur or as a youpreneur um, more than anything else? I'm going to give, give two answers. Okay. They've got twice a chance of being right now. I like this. The odds are good. The first answer is is everything. It's <laughs> okay, done. I'm in. <laughs> it, 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 it's there isn't this one silver bullet of things that you can need to do. If you look at anybody that's crushed it, it's the prolific nature of all of the things that they've attempted. Like the success of exactly what to say isn't because it was a small compact book with an excellent marketing strategy that was well delivered and well produced and delivered upon the fact. It was the it was the thousands of failed attempts that came prior to that. It's how it sat in the in its mix of everything else. And and that I share that point really for everybody listening in is is you have to have the long-term view and know that it's the sum of the parts that will get you there. It's to use that musician analogy again is is you know, the one big gig that you got that was in front of 10,000 people might be the thing that launches your career, but it was the thousand small gigs and the writing with your buddies and the, you know, that got you that one gig that stepped you along the way. Mm. Mm. The tangible thing that I think is the second answer to that question that has probably made the biggest difference is actively choosing the people that I want to hang out with and learning from people who are better than me. Um, that's been the biggest thing. So, um, weaving myself into communities of people who have got the business that I would like to have two, three years on from now and learning what really works. So not, not, the, not being, not being the smartest person around that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but, but working at it and then serving those people yeah. with my brilliance and then over, over delivering on the thing that I'm good at and, and, and collecting favors, I guess, but not yeah. without asking, not asking for them. Just, just, no. You know, putting it out there first, but you know, actively getting in front of people, and 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 that's what's allowed me to be able to pivot my business from the UK to the US, and and you know, for it to have double digit growth year in year over eleven year period. And there's not many people that I know who would identify as being personal brands who have been able to do that, uh, especially by moving from one country to another as well. I mean, a lot of people might think that you'd have to start all over again, but clearly you made that move because you, you saw it as a leg up rather than just another, uh, another demographic, so to speak, to, to, to capture. Yeah. And, and what I would give, give everybody permission to do is they build your personal brand businesses is to run it in chapters. Give yourself the permission to be, you know, at the top of the bottom of your industry and then reinvent by coming into the bottom of the top of a new group. Yes. And I think everybody listening in will, will know what that means. And Chris, you know, you've done it, right? You, you've been the, the go-to kind of guy within your local community and, and network through that. And, and you keep changing stages. And, and it's interesting for me right now is, is my current position is, is my speaking business has me at the very bottom of the top. So, um, you know, I'm like the nobody within the B-list, C-list celebrity space, <laughs> as opposed to like the most successful guy within the, you know, within the, um, you know, the coaches, consultant, trainer space. And well, I'm enjoying learning that 
I was going to say that must give you, I mean, that puts you in a position where obviously you are surrounded by people who are doing exactly what you want to do three, four, five, ten 10 years from now, pretty much on a daily basis. Right. Right. And I'm losing gigs to Malcolm Gladwell and Robert Ciardini and, 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 you know, uh, and, and I lost a gig to Flowrider. Rider. Figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I need to know the story. What? Is there is there a story or is it just it's no, just just a script? One fact is is you know we were looking at whether we wanted to do a content piece with you or an entertainment piece, and we went with the entertainment piece with Flowrider. There we go. That'll work. Yeah, you just weren't entertaining enough. That's what it was. I got no rap skills like that. Nothing. <laughs> Don't bring my entourage. There's no posse. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. No, but but I mean, rumor has it though you're still a a little bit of a diva. Am I right in this? <laughs> I'm the least diva person going, but yeah, yeah. I do. I demand. I demand one room temperature bottle of water following my speech. Done. Sorted. We'll get that sorted out for you, guys. You tuning in right now? You're in for a treat. If you do, I mean, you've been in for a treat anyway. But if you do end up making your way to London this year in November to see Phil keynote the Youpreneur Summit. You're going to be in there for a real treat. Uh, best-selling author, amazing keynote speaker. I can't wait to introduce you, my man, um, on stage in, in my hometown of London. I mean, this is why... I can't I'm wait so... to be back in Blighty, buddy. That's what I'm and, uh, now, When was the last time you were back in England, actually? I, I get back you know, six, seven times a year for family stuff, um, but I, I haven't spoken in the UK to a UK audience for... I did one event for a casino group last year and I did Maid Festival in 2017. So um, that's all I've done in the UK. And um, this, I think, is all I'll do in the UK this year. The boys coming home. I like this. I can't wait. Can't the boys wait. coming home. Um, for you guys tuning in, you want to find out a little bit more about Phil, his books, his legend as it is, uh, you can head over to youpreneur.com forward slash 338. Links to everything he's got going on, including all his socials and everything, will be on those show notes there. That's youpreneur.com forward slash 338. Phil, thanks for making time, man. Love it. Thank you, guys. So as Phil gets back to those two beautiful little baby girls of his uh, that he's now spending way too much time getting acquainted with, no <laughs> doubt, um, I will love you and leave you for now. But we will see you again next week, everybody, where another episode of Youpreneur FM will be slowly but surely injecting its way into your brain. Until then, take good care, and I'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind Community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind Community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. With lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com today. I'll see you on the inside.